personal finance presentation, personal balance sheet creation. Prepare to get financially fit by practicing personal finance. The balance sheet's one of our major two financial statement reports, the other being the income statement. Remember that the balance sheet represents where we stand from a financial perspective as of a specific point in time. The balance sheet is the financial statement that reports what an individual or family owns and owes as of a specific date. So as of one date, as of one point in time, what the family owns, such as cash, other types of assets, and what they owe, such as debts, credit card payments, and so on to third parties. The difference between the two, in essence, being the net worth, the number that we can think about as the one number if we're going to try to represent where we stand financially with one number as of a point in time, that would be it, the net worth assets minus the liabilities. So the balance sheet may also be called the net worth statement or statement of financial position, noting that the balance sheet emphasizes the fact that we are in balance. Accountants like the idea of the balance sheet because the double entry accounting system is one of the major types of things that stop us from creating errors as we do the data input process the balancing of the balance sheet being critically important in that case. However, you might be compiling the balance sheet in a little bit different methods as we've talked about in prior presentations, and you might not be doing it by a journal entry by journal entry transaction from an accounting standpoint. And therefore, oftentimes on a personal basis, the balance sheet could be called other types of things. It could be called a net worth statement because the net worth is the bottom line assets minus liability. And it could be called the statement of financial position because that represents the idea that it's showing where you stand as of a certain point in time, that financial position as of today. So those are other names for it. The accounted equation is assets equal liabilities plus net worth. Or if it was a business, you can call that equity. It might be called stockholders equity for a business, owner's equity for a sole proprietorship, partnership equity for a partnership. It might be called net assets for a not-for-profit all the same kind of concepts. So we do still have this double entry accounting system that we will be using. Uh, and we often will recalculate this or as assets minus liabilities equals net worth, which is just a reformation of the accounting equation. So when we put this together, if we're just compiling this information together and not building from a deep transaction by transaction basis, it's more likely we're gonna think of it in the second format, our accounting equation and the balance sheet, which in essence is the accounting equation, assets minus liabilities equals the net worth. And you can see how we can construct this. We can basically compile our assets together. We can compile our liabilities together. We could take the difference between the two, subtracting them out to get to the net worth at that point. So the balance sheet might look something like this on the right-hand side. Remember that this is just one way you can format the balance sheet. The idea of the balance sheet is you still have the accounting equation, but we're representing it in terms of assets. Here's the assets. And then the liabilities are going to be down here. And the difference between the two being the net worth. In other words, if we pull up the trustee calculator here, we're going to take the total assets. If we add up the total assets, the 2695150 minus the liabilities, which are going to be right there the 90425, and that's going to give us then our net worth, the 178725. Now, that will always be the case, although this net worth, they might call it equity or they might call it net assets or something like that, and you might then see it formatted as assets equal liabilities plus equity, which is traditional kind of format for, for a business balance sheet, but it's in essence the same idea, the same concept is there. 
What I mean by it could change from a personal side of things is that the subcategories could be distinct or different. Note that when you're talking about business financial statements, you're, you're doing the, basically the same stuff, but you, on the business side, you have that business objective of revenue generation. You also often have regulations such as generally accepted accounting principles to guide you for the categories that you will typically be using and how you're going to have to report things for such as, such as uh, fixed assets, property, plants, and equipment, how you would depreciate them. We would typically be using an accrual basis to do that. On the individual side, we don't have those laws and regulations because the point of those laws and regulations are, are not for best practices purposes per se. They're tr trying to standardize everything so that when you report financial statements to other people, especially if you are publicly traded, everything is standardized. When you're looking at the personal side of things, you're not publicly traded, obviously. So you might need some standardization if you were to talk to the bank and try to get a bank loan, or if you're trying to do some particular thing to get financing or qualify for something or something like that. But other than that, if you're doing it for your own personal purposes, then you have you don't have those restrictions, which is a, both a plus and a minus because the fact that you when you have the standardization, it can actually make it easier because all you have to do is look up the rule. You don't even have to think about why you are doing it. When you don't have the standardization, then you got to think about what you want to do. You have more leeway to make it more customized within the structure of a double entry accounting system. But it's a, uh, it's, you know, that's also a little bit more difficult because there's more decisions. So you can see the categories that we have here, liquid assets instead of current assets for a business. So we're going to define them as liquid assets just for personal finance terms, which we're basically going to be putting in the, like the stuff that's, that's more usable to pay off the current liabilities soon. So things that can be converted to cash quite quickly. That would include, of course, the checking account, any emergency fund type of account. You might have investments up here. I might even include some investments up here if they're not under the umbrella of a, fire, a, a retirement plan, like a 401k plan or something like that. Meaning if I haven't committed to basically uh, not touching those assets, then they might still be liquid because I could basically sell them and use them if I needed to in a certain situation. So that would be one of the things you'd need to think about. We got the real estate. You might break out the home separately, real estate uh, types of investments, or if you have other kind of real estate here as well, you might want that separately broken out because it's kind of like property, plants, and equipment for a business, except that you were hoping that the real estate, your home, will go up in value instead of down in value, instead of depreciating it generally, which is quite different than every other kind of fixed asset that you typically have. So you may actually break that out separately. And then you have other kind of items, which I'm calling household assets and possessions. This might be every everything else, other things typically going down in value, possibly not jewelry. That's another one that could <laughs> go up in value. But anything like a car, a computer, your TV and stuff like that, you want to decide whether or not you need to include those things depending on what you're doing because those are things that depreciate in value and is it worth your time to put on there and depreciate because that's an accrual concept to do that or not, right? It depends on what you're using this for, but this would be similar to property, plants, and equipment. Then we got long-term investments. This is where I would put things like your retirement plan and your IRA because these are things that are financial investments. They're with financial institutions. We expect them to grow and we want to check them to the market from time to time but they're not things that are liquid because I'm going to get penalized if I take them out and I have the intention of having them in there until retirement. And then we've got the total assets down below. 
And then we take a look at the liability side of things where we have the current liabilities. These are gonna be the things that we owe on the liability side. We have the current liabilities in the long term. This is very similar to what we would have on a business side of things. We use the same name as current liabilities, which generally is an arbitrary cutoff at 12 months, meaning everything that's due within 12 months, I want to put up top so I can compare them to the liquid assets to see if I have the liquid assets to pay off the current liabilities, long-term liabilities, anything that we owe over 12 months, like a mortgage or student loans, noting that we'll have some things that have a short-term and long-term purpose, which we'll have to deal with, meaning they should have a short-term portion and a long-term portion for something like a mortgage and possibly car loans, which you pay off on a monthly basis, but may extend more than 12 months. Total liabilities and then the net worth are going to be the assets minus the liabilities. So we'll go in those a little bit more detail as we as we think about this going forward. So the balance sheet may also be called, remember, the statement of net worth. That's because the net worth is kind of you thinking of the bottom line here. We're calculating it instead of a normal accounting equation, assets equal liabilities plus equity or net worth with the two sides balancing. We're taking the assets minus the liabilities equals uh, the net worth. It's obviously the same thing because if I was to rewrite this accounting equation, assets equal liabilities plus equity, meaning here's the assets, here's the liabilities of the 90425 plus the equity or net worth 178725, we're going to get to that 269150. Then we've got the statement of financial position, it might be called, and notice this is the accounting equation, assets equal liabilities plus equity. That's the normal accounting equation and the format of a normal balance sheet. We twisted it a little bit here to have assets minus liabilities equals equity. Same accounting equation, just algebraically a little bit different so that we can emphasize the, uh, the net worth or equity. Note also, if I continue to call this equity instead of net worth, it's the same thing. It's the same concept, but I'm, I'm more used to calling it equity. So here it, here it is in a, on a side-by-side -side breakout. If you look at a normal balance sheet, oftentimes you'll see it in the side-by-side -side breakout because that shows you kind of two sides of the accounting equation, meaning the assets represent what is owned and, and this represents who owns, who has claim to those assets, meaning you have assets worth on a dollar basis, we're valuing them at the 269,150. Who has claims to those assets? Third party. So in other words, if you were to liquidate yourself, if you died, you know, and then you gave away, you know, you would have 269,150 to give away. And then third party people would take 1,255 because you owed them money. And then the difference, I'm sorry, the 2000, they would take 90,425 because you owed them money on the current and long term which leaves the difference of the 178,725. And remember, on a normal accounting equation, it would look like this. It would be the 9425 plus the 178,725. You'd have one more line item down here, which would be liabilities and net worth equaling the 269,150, which would balance to this number, which would be our balancing equation. But we're emphasizing here the net worth. Same thing. We're just emphasizing the net worth. Same accounting equation. So list items of value. That's going to be step one when we create this. Note, we talked about in prior presentations a couple different methods you can do to create this. If you want to use a double entry accounting system to build it transaction by transaction, in essence, taking your, your bank statement accounts, looking at the inflows and outflows, plugging those into the system like a QuickBooks or something like that, you can construct 
the the balance sheet although you will have to put in the beginning balances and so forth that would be one way to do it but another way you could do it if you're just trying to compile it is to basically just compile your your information you want to list all the assets that you have of value so you'd be listing the liquid assets now note you could also do this as we talked about before with other software that would pull in not the transactions per se that's not what we'd be concentrating on but the financial data so when i list my liquid assets like the checking account and the emergency fund if those are with a financial institution we can pull that information directly from from those institutions or of course from the statements that they provide us real estate now if we're talking about real estate that cannot be pulled from a financial institution we bought say a home or other real estate and now we don't really know what the value is that's a problem with real estate any kind of fixed asset because the value changes over times and we only know the value when we actually bought it we can appraise the value but that's just an appraisal it's just a guess we don't really know until we sell it so note that the real estate we, we want to put it on there separately possibly because it's such a big line item for an individual most likely but it's also something that we want to it's difficult for us to value because we, if we revalue it from time to time we're just basically guessing on the value and we cannot pull it directly from the the financial institution so we're going to have to manually put that value in there in some way uh, personal possessions so if you have personal like the jewelry the computer the car notice these things except for the jewelry like collectibles but most of the things like a car your tv your couch you may even want to decide whether or not it's worth your time to put on the balance sheet because note what your balance sheet might be used for if you if you're using it to get a loan or something like that these things might be quite useful because the loan they might want to try to put those on as collateral or something like that but if you're just using it to track your finances then putting like your car and your computer on there it may not be the the easiest thing to do because you're basically deviating from a cash method to an accrual method meaning if you were to pay cash for your computer for example you would just expense it when you bought it if you were using a cash method now if you put it on there as an as an asset which would make sense because it's going to have an impact on longer term periods you're basically doing an accrual concept which makes sense the car of course makes sense that's why we do it on on an accrual basis to put it put it on there but then you got to what you would need to do is depreciate it because if you put the car on there when you bought it for 30,000 a year later it's only worth 20,000 you know it's going to go down in value and then you would record the decline in value and you can't pull that information from a financial institution because it's not tied to the financial institution the loan amount might be if you finance the car then you can tie that out to the institution you want to track that but you want to decide how much of your personal possessions and whatnot do you want to get down and just put it on there as a lump sum and if you do then you want to think about how much those those items go down in value noting that you already purchased them so from a financial perspective they're probably not things that you're going to be selling in order to pay off your liabilities generally unless there's a problem so so there you know you got to decide how how worth is how much time do you want to be as specific as you want on those particular items and then we have the investment assets so these might be the long-term assets i would think of investment assets in two categories one short-term investments things that are not under an umbrella for example of an ira or, or that you don't have long-term plans on where you might put up even in the, in the liquid assets up top and these are also things that you might pull directly from financial institutions if you have software to allow you to do that things like stock and bond investments and they can track the actual current value because we know what the current value is 
because these are things trading on the exchange. So if they're not tied down under the umbrella of an IRA, you might put them up top like in a, in a li more liquid asset. And if they are tied down by an umbrella or you have committed to put them away for a long period of time so that you could save up for something, then I would put them down here in the long-term investment assets, keeping them separate from the household goods and real estate because these are items that you can get directly from the financial institution tying to the financial institution. And you do want to check on their current value from time to time, which you know, unlike the home, because you're selling these things trade on a market all the time, whereas the home is unique in and of itself. Then we got the, the liability, the step two is to take a look at the liabilities then. So now we've got our, our total assets. Also just realize the formatting of this thing. Notice that we got assets colon to represent an indentation or subcategory pulled into the inner column. And then we're gonna go to the outer column, add them up, real estate, colon, inner column, it only has one number, so we put that directly to the outer column. Household assets, we pulled that into the inner column, subtotaled it up to the outer column. Other investments pulled into the inner column, we subtotaled it up into the outer column. And then this number is just simply adding up the outer column here. So we only work on kind of one column at a time. We'll work on that more when we do the, when we do the, um, the practice problems, so you kind of get a feel of of the format of the financials if you get the format understanding well then it's a lot easier to look at something like this without your eyes rolling over so we have the current liabilities then uh, that's going to be the liabilities down here these are liabilities that are arbitrarily due with one within one year so typically your credit card and then your loan payments that are due within a year now note this portion of the loan that's due within a year say your mortgage for example that's due within a year then has a current portion to it. And you should have it then broken out between the two because what you want to have is your current liabilities that you could match out to your liquid assets to see whether you have enough liquid assets to pay off the current liabilities. But that's a little bit of a, of a problem note because this information also is stuff that you can pull in from a financial institution. These liabilities, credit cards are financial institutions, loans are financial institution, mortgages, but if you pull this information in, they're going to give you the, the mortgage, for example, as one line item. They're probably not going to break out the short-term portion. So then you got to think, I want this down here long-term, but there's some amount that's going to be due within the next 12 months. Put that up in the short-term portion, or at least think about what it is, so that you can consider whether or not you have enough or sufficient liquid assets in order to pay off your current liabilities. If not, then can you get more assets? Can you liquidate some assets? Or can you push some of the liabilities out into the long term, which is the normal thought process? So that includes things like credit card, current portion of the loan. Then we have the long-term liabilities. We have the debts that are not required to be paid off more than a year. So it's an arbitrary cutoff of one year, but it's a useful arbitrary cutoff. So anything that's over one year is going to be down here, which we see as long-term. So the mortgage, of course, if there's a mortgage on the home, would be a long-term thing generally, although it has a short-term portion. Student loans might be a long-term thing. We can add those up, and that's going to give us then our two categories of liabilities, those two subcategories being important because this current portion, again, those are things that are becoming due. We want to make sure that we have enough liquid assets to pay them off. We don't want all liquid assets, meaning I don't want all my money in the checking account. That doesn't make sense because the checking account's not making me money. What I want is enough money in the checking account to cover the liquid assets and any kind of emergencies that come due. 
and then see if I can put my assets in another area where I'm either getting benefit and enjoyment from it or I'm gaining I'm getting an, a return on it somewhere, right? And then we've got the net worth, which is going to be assets minus the liabilities. So there's the mortgage. So the net worth is the bottom line. That's going to be the assets minus liabilities in our accounting equation. Remember, this balance sheet is represented as that format of the equation. Assets minus liabilities equals net worth, which is similar to equity. It measures the current financial position. So if you were to tell someone, you know, your financial position in one number, which is way too non-nuanced of a way to say it because your financial position is much more complex than one number, really. But if you were to break it down to one number, net worth, we're saying, is the 178,725 assets minus liability. The amount you would, ha would have left uh, if all assets were sold for the listed values and all debts were paid in full. So in other words, you can think about this. It's often useful to think about if you were to liquidate, meaning if you were to die, <laughs> what would happen? Because that helps you to kind of think about what, what we're really talking about. What we've done is valued all of your assets, hopefully as close as possible to the current value, although some of these things are closer to the current value than others, right? That the assets, we know what the assets are. We know what the cash is. We know what the, but we don't know what the car is per se or the home because we bought those a while ago and there's no market that tells it, tells us exactly what that unique thing is or could sell for on the market. So no, this is our book value as close as we can get to or what we figure our asset worth will be. And this is what we owe to other people. So if we died, then whoever we leave our stuff to, they would get this. But no, the third party gets 90425 of it and we're left with a net worth of 178725 Now note the concept of insolvency basically means it's the inability to pay debts when due. Now, if you're insolvent, that's usually going to be indicated if a financial institution saying, hey, this guy's, this, you know, family's got problems here. That's usually because their, their assets up top, their liquid assets are going to be a lot lower than their current liabilities, indicating that they're going to have trouble paying off the current liabilities. Or you have a situation where, they're long, where their liabilities total are way in excess of their assets. So it doesn't look like they'll ever be able to pay off the liabilities. So how to increase the net worth. So obviously the bottom line is the net worth. So the, then the question is, well, how do I get net worth to go up? Well, we know what the accounting equation is. It's assets minus liabilities equals net worth. So obviously if we can get the assets to go up or the liabilities to go down, you know, right, the net worth would go up. So either we increase things like savings, we put money into the savings account and we increase our savings. We could uh, reduce spending, which would, which would mean that we would basically increase the savings as well increase the value of the investment and other possessions so the possessions that we have we can increase the value possibly by investing wisely so that we have a, an increase or growth in the money and that would mean that we don't want all of our stuff in the liquid assets because what we want is enough in the liquid assets to pay off the current liabilities and then see if we can get our money to work for us and then we can reduce the amounts you owe obviously if we, if we reduce the liabilities that would increase it as well. The liabilities come with a cost. They usually come with a cost of the financing, which of course is interest. And the interest will lower our ability to save as well. So if we can pay off the liabilities, that's another way we might increase the net worth.